Hey guys, my name is Nora Franch and welcome to the podcast, Grateful Blessed Mess, daily reflections for those in the 12 steps. I am a fellow 12-stepper and certified mindset coach, and I am here to introduce you to the value of mindset coaching in your 12-step journey. So if you feel like you are stuck in the steps, if you're slipping and sliding with your abstinence, mindset coaching may help you as it did me, and you can find me at catholicmindsetcoaching.com. These episodes are meant to invite you in to consider the truths of 12-step wisdom and to join in the very real struggle of living them in action. I hope that it feels almost like a mini meeting, and I invite you to contribute your own share on the Grateful Blessedness Facebook group to keep the discussion going. My comments are based on my own experience, so feel free to take what you like and leave the rest. But my hope is to encourage you on your own daily 12-step journey. As they say, you cannot stay clean on yesterday's shower. So without further ado, let's begin. Hey guys, I'm going to keep going with this codependent streak that I'm on. And I have to apologize if yesterday I got a little too excited. In retrospect, I um, I was almost a little bit embarrassed with how chatty I got. <laughs> so take what you like and leave the rest. And uh, I am just on a journey with you not really a step ahead in any direction, Uh, living a day at a time just today. We've only got today, right? And we're all just in today. So we are reading from the language of letting go, Melody Beattie, page 131. This is the reading for May 12th, titled Intimacy. We can let ourselves be close to people. Many of us have deeply ingrained patterns for sabotaging relationships, Some of us may instinctively terminate a relationship once it moves to a certain level of closeness and intimacy. When we start to feel close to someone, we may zero in on one of the person's character defects, then make it so big it's all we can see. We may withdraw or push the person away to create distance. We may start criticizing the other person, a behavior sure to create distance. We may start trying to control the person, a behavior that prevents intimacy. We may tell ourselves we don't want or need another person or smother the person with our needs. Sometimes we defeat ourselves by trying to be close to people who aren't available for intimacy. People with active addictions or people who don't choose to be close to us. Sometimes we choose people with particular faults so that when it comes time to be close, we have an escape hatch. We're afraid, and we fear losing ourselves. We're afraid that closeness means we won't be able to own our power to take care of ourselves. In recovery, we're learning that it's okay to let ourselves be close to people. We're choosing to relate to safe, healthy people, so closeness is a possibility. Closeness doesn't mean we have to lose ourselves or our life. As one man said, we're learning that we can own our power with people, even when we're close even when the other person has something we need. Today, I will be available for closeness and intimacy with people when that's appropriate. Whenever possible, I will let myself be who I am, let others be who they are, and enjoy the bond and good feelings between us. Okay, these ones are so long, I feel like (laughs) I could just spend an entire share on on like a sentence, but I'm not going to do that to you guys either. But... You know how you have those those days where like you're going through something personally and then you turn to a random page in a daily reader and you're like, oh my gosh, 
like who was listening to my thoughts? <laughs> How did you know that? And those, is it odd or is it God moments? I've come to understand them to be God, a God wink or, you know, whatever you might call it. It's my higher power. It's me, I think, when I like catch those things, because I think they happen more than I realize. And when I catch them, that's me being a little bit connected, being able to pick up on that intuitive thought that the big book describes as our connection to our higher power. But this intimacy with people, um, this came up for me today. I was just, this is just so funny. It's so funny when this happens. But I was taking my daughter to school and... I was having flashbacks to me being like around her age at school. And she's going to the same school that I went to as a kid, which is just like trippy. It's just weird. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I don't have the best memories of grade school. Okay. And, you know, still more wounds to work through there. Many of them, I'm sure, self-inflicted. But I had this recollection of, this fear of even as a kid, like, I don't know if I want to go on a play date because what if I don't want to be there anymore and I can't leave? Do any of you relate to that? Um, I still connect. Then I was connecting it to like my present life, you know, as an adult, I still have that fear. Like, I don't want to commit to going to a party because, like, well, what if I, what if I'm just so uncomfortable I want to leave and I feel like I can't leave because that's impolite and then I'm trapped and then I want to hyperventilate in the bathroom. <laughs> um, you're getting a little window into the neurotic. That is me. Um, but intimacy, social intimacy with people has always been an area that I struggle with considerably. And And, you know, haven't developed, haven't gotten to the root of what makes things, you know, unhealthy or scary or um, difficult for me. And I know we hear all the time that relationships is the hardest place to work our program and often probably has a lot to do with the origin or the exacerbation or the triggering of our disease. And I 100% believe that just because I can feel like the restlessness and unsettledness in me just thinking about this again and talking about it. But there's something here, and I think it's, you know, this this part of me where I I didn't realize I could just leave. I didn't realize that I could just say no. I didn't realize I could say, I'm going to call my mom and ask her to pick me up early as a kid. And I didn't know that as an adult, I don't even have to give you a reason to say I'm leaving. I can just leave. I don't know why I didn't know that. And I don't know how other people did know that. (laughs) But these are just little practical things that I've picked up. And it may sound obvious to some of you and to others. It may be like really illuminative. Um, so I'm trying to have a little bit of grace with myself because I know that I'm not starting out the same way that some people do. And I'm just trying to like identify what that is exactly so I can come to acceptance and then, and then start to work on it. So this is something, a reading that would be really good for me to just like really hunker down with personally. But I just want to draw out certain things for you guys and see if anything lands. So 
When we start to feel close to someone, we may zero in on one of the person's character defects and then make it so big, it's all we can see. All right, so I do that all the time, especially with my husband. But <laughs> but for any of you friends lovers out there, I don't know if you remember this episode, but in the earlier seasons, which were by far my favorite, I think there was a time in my life where I could literally see a snapshot of any clip of friends and tell you the season and the episode number. Okay. Little OCD with my friend's obsession, but there was an earlier episode where Chandler was noticing that he was like picking the most random things to just like completely um, like disregard a woman and to have a relationship with her. He'd be just like, he'd pick out the weirdest things and be like, Oh no, that's, that's, I can, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, you know, and so this one, and now, you know, some years have passed. I don't remember which season or which episode. I just know it was early. And <laughs> he noticed his issue for staying in a relationship with some woman was that her head was too big. <laughs> and so this is just something like everybody's got a big head. Like everybody's heads are just, you know, what they are. <laughs> it's it's how you're choosing. It's like what you're choosing to pick on. And I think it's like it's, there's so much that goes into it, the, the certain character defects of another that we zero in on or just character flaws or or just like little quirks that they have that might drive us crazy. I think that has a lot to do with who we are, our temperament, our wounds, just like our own personality. But for whatever reason, he decided that her head was too big. And I just laughed because when I read that sentence, I immediately – flashback in my head to the image of where that episode ended and there's this woman in their coffee shop you know central park and he's like he's decided he's just gonna stop being so petty he's gonna keep at it with this relationship and you just see them and her head is like enormous <laughs> with this like massive huge head you only see the back of her head and it's this like curly blonde hair that is just like it's it's like a beach ball right <laughs> and it's it's just funny because that's what we do with other people's stuff that bothers us. We magnify it and we we caricature it <laughs> so that it looks just like like so obvious to us of how like unlivable whatever they're doing is. Like who, like you'd have to be sick not not to reject that, right? So in reality, I'm sure that woman's head was not that big, but they showed it in terms of how he saw it. And I just think of certain things that people do that drive me crazy. And it's almost like the attention that I give it, just how much I, the mental energy I give to it magnifies it and makes it look ridiculous and makes it look huge. And then turns it around toward me and be like, yeah, it would be, it would be, you know, incorrect of you not to reject that. That is horrible. And it's what our minds do is this self-protective thing that our minds do, um, that somehow it serves us. There's some good that we are after here, some security, some emotional haven that we are retreating to when we do that, either because it's more comfortable, because it's just what we know, or we don't trust ourselves enough to know when to set a boundary or draw a line. And so something that I've learned is that 10 out of 10 times we choose what we believe to be in keeping with our greatest good. And for those of you who 
that might sound familiar with that's that's Thomas Aquinas, but it's true in that you know the more when once I heard it, I was like, well, I like that. I like thinking that. Then that you know, I'm not some evil wretch who is just selfish. Like there's some good that I'm seeking here, and I've started to look at things through that lens to be like, okay, what is the good that I'm seeking here? Like I just did this thing that is annoying and that I hate and that I don't want to be doing, but I did it again. And so why did I do that? Like, what is the good that I'm after? And it's like, oh, I was so uncomfortable. I was so uncomfortable. I just, I just wanted to self-protect. Like that was the only thing I could think of. That was the only thing I could do. I was too overwhelmed. I was too overstimulated. The good that I was seeking was safety in like quiet and isolation. And now isolation isn't helpful, but in the moment, if I'm in like a state of overwhelm or like, you know, where the alarms are going off and it's like, abort, abort, get out. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to fall back on the things that I know and the things that I've done. And I know I've been a little bit all over the place with this share and so if anyone wants to have more of a conversation about it, um, you know, the Facebook group would be a great place for that. I feel like I almost want to start a side podcast for just like going off on tangents about this whole like emotional responsibility, emotional security, emotional sobriety, like owning who we are, this piece of owning our stuff, knowing what's mine, knowing what's not, knowing what's yours, knowing what's not, and then moving ahead in that truth so that we can then be self-possessed, that word, that self-mastery. It keeps coming back. Maybe that's why I'm getting so way excited about this codependent piece because it clamors for that self-mastery that I told you is what really uh, spurred on this whole, is the reason for, you know, the hope of this podcast, the purpose of of me being coached and coaching. And um, yeah, so something for me to think about. You guys don't have to think about it or listen to it anymore, but, <laughs> you know, stay tuned. So anyway, I know this was a little bit of a longer one, but relationships are, for us in the rooms, the hardest place for our, us to work our recovery and give yourself some grace because there's a reason for that. Um, more to be revealed. With that, I pass. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you feel that mindset coaching could help you on your 12-step journey, please feel free to reach out and find me at catholicmindsetcoaching.com. But more than that, it's important to me to give listeners like yourself a place where you do not need to feel alone on your 12-step journey. And for that reason, I've created a Facebook group. It's called Grateful Blessed Mess. And it's a place where listeners can go to add their own commentary on the share for the day in addition to my own and for us just to have a conversation or start a back and forth where people can find support in their 12-step journey. This is not a replacement for 12-step work. This is something outside of the 12 steps. It is simply something that has a heart for the 12 steps and those who are in it. And so 
welcome. If you are here, chances are you may also be a bit of a mess, and I hope that you can learn to find some gratitude in the blessings that have come from your messes. Thank you.